The views expressed in the following program do not necessarily represent those of the staff, management, or owners of WGBB. Live from the WGBB studios in Merrick, New York, this is Sports Talk New York. Uh, good evening, everyone. Tonight, it's Chris Caputo here, alone, without my partner, Mike Quidone. Sometimes they call me Cappy. We got a lot of topics here to talk about on Sports Talk New York. And Mike right now is uh, finishing up enjoying the warm weather, while today I started my morning on the frozen tundra helping my son's team with the six and under flag football champion. So a huge uh, shout-out goes to Coach Joe and the Panthers for winning the last three weeks of the playoffs and hitting their stride to be champions. Go Panthers! So on this cold day, we talk about football, and we're going to continue that talk a little bit. So there's a lot of topics tonight that we can cover from football, hockey, basketball. We might even talk some baseball and so much more. Tonight we're even going to talk about the New York City Marathon, which took place in a great running weather last weekend. Uh, but we're going to start off with this. We're going to start off with the Giants, okay? And then we're going to bring in, in a couple of minutes, our great reporter to talk some Jets, and that is Johnny Santamaria. But right now, let's just open this up with a little bit of Giants talk. Giants just got absolutely annihilated, okay? Put up a couple of touchdowns at the end, but let's be honest. You're playing a game with Tommy DeVito. Tommy DeVito still lives at home with his mom, who makes him bed, gives him chicken parm. It takes him 12 minutes to get to work, and basically he's admitting that. I mean, he got absolutely pummeled today. But if you think that the reason why the Giants are struggling is because it's just Tommy DeVito, uh-uh. You've got other things to worry about, okay? Right now, you could call up AAA and try and fix that flat tire, but it's not just Tommy DeVito. There are so many problems going on right now. There are fights on the sideline between coaches and players that we have no idea how bad this could get. The Giants are 2-8. and eight. But right now, it's like a funeral out there. There is nobody that wants to be out there. Fights between the players. Darius Slayton was fighting with the coach today. Dable said it's not going to be a funeral. Thibodeau gets a concussion. What is left for the Giants this year? What are we looking towards? Are we trying to tank for something? More players getting hurt? This is really going downhill. This is absolutely going to be an abominable month of November. Then last week we had Daniel Jones go out with a uh, ACL injury, so things are all over the place. There is a hot mess express right there with the New York Giants. So we're going to get into a lot of topics tonight, but I just wanted to start it off by basically burying the New York Giants. There is nothing left for them to play for except maybe a game here or there at the end of the season to play spoiler. They At this point, you had a halftime question to Brian Dayball saying, what's going on? And his basically his answer was, I don't know. We're just going to keep playing hard. We're going to keep playing hard. The only good part, I guess, is you gave some playing time to Tommy DeVito, who now has three touchdowns in the air, one rushing, which gives him four touchdowns for the year. And as we bring on our next guest, 
Johnny Santa Maria, we also understand that the quarterback of the New York Jets only has five touchdowns for the entire year, and he has been playing much longer. So right now we're going to bring on our first guest of the night, and that's Johnny Santa Maria. Johnny Sticks is also going to talk some hockey with us, but how you doing tonight, John? All's good. Getting ready for another Jet game. Let's see what the uh, script brings tonight in uh, Vegas. So we got a Sunday night game tonight. Uh, the Jets getting a, uh, a Raiders team that just beat up on the Giants last week. And the Jets are coming off a pretty bad week, you know, only putting up six points to the Chargers last week. Give me an idea of where the Jets and the Raiders are at going into tonight's game. Well, both are still mathematically alive for playoff positioning. As we know, there was some definitely some interesting results today that led to this game. Definitely have it the meeting. One thing that I think we could possibly say with what's to come and all that, there's prob- the probability that the loser of tonight's game will probably not make the playoffs based on what's to come on the schedules. That loser of tonight would really, really need a lot of help, but I think the odds are more against that loser of tonight's game to miss the postseason this year, just because of the way everything is going to unfold in the next few weeks. That's a pretty good point. I mean, at this point, we're just a little over halfway through the season, but we're already talking about expectations moving forward. Um, where are we at with the conviction and strength of what we feel for Zach Wilson? I think Zach Wilson still has time to prove that he could be a serviceable NFL quarterback. He will probably end up going down no different than Sam Donald, that he will probably end up as a very solid NFL backup. Maybe he'll end up in the right situation with the right team and the right coaching, and it'll take him a few years, like a Geno Smith, to really find your spot. But that's going to be a lot harder for for, for um, Zach Wilson than it was for Geno, because Geno was willing to spend enough time as a backup quarterback, and he definitely paid his dues and earned every penny of that contract he signed last year. But Zach is going to really have to change the way he thinks about the game. He's going to have to work a little bit better in the pocket. That's been a problem these last three years. I still want to see him scramble a little bit more and run with the football because he does have the speed. And if they could tell him, just take off with it if you have room. Don't be afraid to run. And slide correctly. Maybe that's going to bring some positive energy to this offense that we haven't seen. And maybe he could turn the corner in some different ways and be more serviceable. Okay. So let's say, I mean, tonight is actually kind of almost like a pick em game. Even though the Jets are on the road, they're considered uh, a very slight favorite. Um, let's just say tonight doesn't go as well. The Jets kind of go down a little bit. They still have the Bills, Dolphins, Falcons, and Texans coming up. Do you see, if it's a really bad night for Zach Wilson, that they give the reins to either Tim Boyle or Trevor Simeon going forward, either next week or the week after? Well, 100%, because if you think this game is winnable and it's close and you're not getting offense, you're right there with the Bills, regardless what they do tomorrow night, because they did not have their bye week yet. So even if they win, it's only still a half-game difference. So you want to be very careful there because you already have the head-to-head from week one. They win tonight. You're right there in the eighth spot for the playoffs. Eighth spot, right, of just a game below seven, just because of some of the head-to-heads. You still haven't seen 
Cleveland yet. You haven't seen Houston yet, the two two of the three wild card teams. I'm still not sold on Pittsburgh. So that's why I think if by halftime they feel we're not really getting anywhere, I think you need to sit him down. Okay, And it doesn't matter who you put in. I think it would be just someone different and maybe someone with a little bit more experience, whether it's Simeon who has started games before or Tim Boyle, who knows Nathaniel Hackett's offense and what they're going to want to run. And, if and, you could get some something out of this group and, as you're and saying, make the next few weeks relevant, the rest of the season relevant, then Robert Sal has done his job. And once again, we're joined by John Santamaria to talk a little bit of Jets. As you're saying, at four and four, if you can go five and four, there's really you know besides the Chiefs at seven and two, everybody else has got three losses. So you're basically within a game. You got a shot, and you still have your three games remaining with the Bills with the Dolphins and with the Patriots, who you just, even at 2-8, and eight, can't seem to beat. Um, what are some of the keys as far as giving some pressure off of Zach? You know, which are, are we still going towards Hall, or are we kind of spreading it out a little bit on, uh, you think the Jets will spread it out a little bit as far as the running back position or maybe some short passes? Well, 100%. Two, two things there. One, yeah, you, you could use some screens and dumps like what um, – Dump passes like what um, they used to do in Green Bay with Aaron Jones and A.J. Dillon, what they still do now even. But one thing, feed uh, Dalvin Cook. Why not? Why not try anything? And you, they didn't trade him at the deadline for a reason, so they want to use him. Him getting two or three carries or whatever, that's not really acceptable. Give him a, give him a workload. If maybe he's not in condition and shape, that's a whole that's a whole other thing. But if he's physically able to go out there, carry the football, all this stuff, See what he's got. What is it hurting? Yeah. Uh, so, um, with the Jets losing pretty bad on national TV last week, uh, how do you think that um, Coach Sala has has held up this year? I know when you started the year off, everything with you know HBO and 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 having you know cameras around and stuff like that, everything was kind of good. And you know, I I think the talk was not necessarily Jets, but more Aaron Rodgers. How do you think? Robert Sala has held up while the Jets have been a little bit inconsistent. I think he's done everything that you could have asked. He hasn't said anything out of line. But even the one thing, too, through it all, he's kept them together. He's kept them focused. Even last week, as much as everybody is going to go out there and blame Zach Wilson, you could blame him for plunking. He didn't fumble a football that Brees Hall fumbled, or Garrett Wilson. So, Right, right there. That could be a that's a fourteen point swing potentially. So there's a lot of ways that could go. So I just think by the end of the game, the more pressure they got to take some of the pressure off Zach Wilson. And if they do that, maybe he'll start to play a little better. That he doesn't have to feel like everything's on him. He's not Aaron Rodgers. And I think Robert Sala has done a good job of keeping everybody focused and. Look at how good that defense is played. Yes, Olbridge is the coordinator, calling the defense, but it says a lot about your head coach. Where I think the struggles have been have come from the front office that Joe Douglas did not prepare certain parts of the roster for the what-if moments, whether it was Rodgers. And even we could talk about that till we're all fast asleep past his long past his game. But also that offensive line, like that, that's on Joe Douglas. You did not have enough depth ready to go. Once again, we're joined by John Santamaria. This is Chris Caputo tonight. Uh, my partner, Mike Guidone, is off for the evening as 
We're continuing some conversation about sports, and later we're going to take your calls at 516-623-1240. Again, 516-623-1240. We'll take your calls in just a little bit. Uh, John, again, looking at the AFC, the Jets have the least amount of points for, and I'm talking, you know, worse than the Titans at three and six, worse than the Patriots at two and eight, who have already played uh, ten games. So obviously they're a little bit above the Jets, you know, going into tonight. But the offensive struggles, um, can they stay in that 500 range while still being very lackluster in the offensive and? Uh, relying on their defense, can it stay this way for a long period of time? Well, with this, the next couple of weeks, we'll get a better feel of that. But when you play the Dolphins, if they're a high-flying octane offense on Black Friday, that's that's going to be a hard ask. And then to play them again in roughly three weeks after, that won't be easy either. But if they can find a way to generate some offense, keep a, keep the opposing offenses on the on the sideline, then hey, maybe. Things will click and turn around, but no, I don't think I. Unless they fix something on offense, it will be very hard with the schedules coming. Look at what's going on in Houston right now. That offense is legit too, mm-hmm. and they'll be at MetLife uh, next month. That's right. So, uh, so here we are talking about trying to keep the Jets afloat. They are two and one away from home, so maybe tonight will uh, boost them up to a, a good road team. Just get them out of Jets, get them out of their their home stadium. Um, last thing. I know we've talked about it every single time on here, and he's already made his way out to the field in Paradise, Nevada, for tonight's game. Um, is there any shot? I know he's talked about Week 16. He's talked about all this stuff. Is there any shot that here we are in in Week 10 that at some point in the next five or six weeks that Aaron Rodgers is the starting quarterback for the New York Jets? No, I don't think so, and that, and just because of the injury. Wherever the team is, even if they're in the hunt for the playoffs, I think they're going to finish it out What's on this roster. It would be a big mistake for Rodgers to come back. And if he wants one more good season, and this is the thought I was, think, I was thinking about this too recently. Remember when Mariano Rivera got hurt warming up in the outfield? Catching fly balls toward the ACL, yep. Yep, and what did he do that next year? He recovered, came back for one one farewell tour. That's right. That's what I think Rodgers wants, and I think that would be the better decision for him. He's getting anxious to play with his new team. I understand that. But if he wants to really go out on top, whether it is next year or the year after, recover, give the people something that they will remember. Yeah, I just see him being a little too anxious right now, wants to get out there. And uh, I think he's going to try and push his way back on the field, but we'll see. Yeah, and, and if anybody was going to potentially talk him out of it, it should be his old buddy Brett Favre, who uh, maybe played a little bit too long of an NFL career, took too many hits, and went down uh, in Minnesota and, and in ways that people aren't going to talk about because we didn't get to really celebrate. That's another great we didn't get to celebrate at the end of his career because he finished his career with injuries. And I don't think Rodgers would like to go down that way. Yeah, I could just see him though at seven and seven in in, in six weeks, you know, saying uh, it's time and he's going to push his way back on the field because they might be, you know, with three games to go, having having a shot. Let's uh, let's... yeah, I would be very, I'd be very surprised if a doctor would have cleared that. Yep. 
So let's switch topics. I know in New York uh, the Jets are the only ones with a shot here, but as far as um, having a shot in hockey, I would say that right now we have three teams that have a legitimate shot to make the playoffs, but at this point there's two teams going in one direction and a third team going in you know, a direction that I don't think many people want to talk about. So let's start with the New York Islanders. Uh, at this point, they have dropped uh, four decisions after beating Washington 3-0, then losing 4-3 to Carolina, 4-2 to Minnesota, 5-2 to Boston, and 4-1 to Washington again. Um, I know what I think is going on, but what's the number one thing that you have seen in the last four games? I think they are struggling to skate. I've seen a few of these games up close at UBS. They are struggling to keep up with other teams' speed. That fourth line specifically, let's start with the wingers. Matt Martin and Cal Clutterbuck has taken a step slow, step back. They are struggling to keep up with their opponents, and it's showing from time to time on the ice, though. Um, so that, that's number one. So I, so maybe that's the nature of conditioning. I don't think it's a, nature of the roster as a whole, but you can see that some of these guys are struggling to keep up with opponents. The other issue, which has been a real positive for this team the last few years, even last year too with Lane Lambert, is the defense. They are really struggling to kill penalties, and they need to stay out of the box. So we talked a little bit before, maybe uh, the speed factor. You look at teams like the Rangers and even more so the Devils, um, their speed is top line. And right now, anything in kind of, you know, the neutral zone, the Islanders are just not getting to that puck. Once they get it into, you know, scoring opportunities, they're taking shots. But that mid-ice, uh, they're lacking some speed, don't you think? Absolutely. And specifically on the defense, and maybe too much deep defense, defense. We talked off air about um, the one guy you wanted to bring up, uh, Pierre Engel. They also signed, if you want to remember, uh, Julian Gauthier. He played for the Rangers last year. He's only gotten in a game or two. Maybe time to shake things up with the line and the lines, and we'll see. Uh, t- he's played with the with the with the forward lines. Maybe give maybe like you said, if they sat angle the last the last part of the game. Maybe that's going to send a message. Maybe sit him tomorrow night too when they play Edmonton Here's and the- start this Western Canada trip. Why not try something? Yeah, and I think that's what uh, you know Lambert's going for, but. They went up to Boston, which was uh, bring your, your parents up there. So his mom was on hand. He's got a seven-year, $21 million contract, and he gets benched. He's being held out, and it didn't work. It actually backfired. And we have some passionate fans here on Long Island. And I don't know if it was the right move or not. He tried something. But Casey Sezikis comes out after the game, after they lose, and basically tells fans that they shouldn't be booing um, or calling for the coach's job. You know, I guess somebody, you know, people were for the second or third game in a row are saying fire Lambert, and he said it's a joke. Uh, that kind of stuff ticks me off. It's time for those, it, I got no time for those fans. I've got no time for them. If they want to be like that, they can stay home. Sazika said he wants to finish as an Islander. I know when times are tough, it's frustrating to have a mic in front of your face. But don't you think that's the wrong thing to say? Yeah, he should have rephrased a couple of those things differently. Um, one, he's of course he's going to back his coach. That's the type of person he is. But the one thing that I think he knows too, and he doesn't want to say it, he's got a general manager in Lou Lamorello who is not afraid to make coaching changes. Correct. And to be honest with you, if this continues through Western Canada, I expect Wayne Lambert gone. 
because look what just happened in Edmonton. We're clearly a much better team if they fired up. Jay Woodcroft after not even three, not even Chris, three full seasons. All last year, part of this year, and then two seasons ago. He didn't even make it through. Probably, he probably didn't even make it through two full NHL seasons when you look at the total games he coached. Yep. And that's the thing with the NHL. They, they do have their, uh, hand on the trigger to fire people right away. And I think with last year ending the way it did, I think it was kind of up in the air whether or not he would come back anyway. So I think, um, if things do go sour, I think, that could be the end of it, but who knows if they're going to take another guy off the bench and make him an interim, because that's kind of what they did when well, Barry Trotz left. Well, with this group, uh, I don't think this – well, first off, with this group, who's left there up? John, Lou Lamorello tried that many moons ago for John McClain in New Jersey. That did not that didn't last. Um, so it would not be either one of these two guys. But I'll tell you something, knowing the fact that ex-Ranger head coach Gerard Gallant is still sitting out there, I mean – Yes, things did not end well with with him and Chris Drury and James Dole, but a lot of people don't leave Madison Square Garden on the on the highest of notes. And you're talking to a Knicks fan of over 25 years watching just everything you could ask for. But in this case, too, I would have no problem with Gerard Gallant because I think his structure, his toughness is what this team is missing. I don't think – I think Lee Lambert is – a good person. I think he's a good coach, good voice for that team. But I don't think he's as tough as I think they're missing the toughness that they had with Barry Trotz. And I think if you're going to get something anywhere close to that, you got to get Gerard Gallant to call before another team does. And I was actually surprised Edmonton did not hire him that they went with the Rangers uh, minor league coach uh, Chris Knobloch. All right, two more quick things uh, before we let you go. Number one is the third period collapse. It's been happening a lot with the Islanders, up 3-1, lose 4-3 in overtime, those type of things. What do you attribute that to, and can that change? It can change with a better focus on defense, with a better focus for 60 minutes. You can't stop skating. And I think that's where maybe a couple of the back-end skaters are losing a step or two late in game because Martin and Clutterbuck, cannot give you the minutes they once gave you. So they're asking more from other guys. So that's what I'm saying. Maybe if they scratch Martin, for example, put Gauthier in there, he could bring, he could give you instead of maybe like seven or eight minutes, whatever Martin has given you. Maybe you could get 15 minutes ahead. You could take some pressure off your top six forwards. Yeah. All right, last thing for tonight. Um, up at the Garden, you got the Rangers at 10-2-1. What has been the key for them? They're 8-1-1 in their last 10. Seem to be really hot. What has been the key for the New York Rangers this year? I know the expectations were somewhat high, but this is great for them. I think they're all buying into Peter Laviolette. As a true Islander fan would say. Yeah, no, I'll be honest with you. I do. I think they all bought into, I think they all were frustrated the way last season ended. And I think they bought into a coaching change. They brought into his style. Now, we know how he is, too. Mm-hmm. He also has not stayed in a lot of places very long himself. But this is a veteran team. This is a team that they think could go to the Stanley Cup. They do have the right coach in place. All right, Johnny, I appreciate you coming on tonight. And I uh, hope you go get ready for the kickoff and uh, enjoy the Jet game tonight. All right, Chris, we'll talk soon. All right, thanks. That's Johnny Santa Maria, Johnny Sticks, coming on to talk some Jets and some hockey, some Islanders tonight. So, uh, once again, we uh, appreciate him coming on. Our phone number tonight is 
800-259-1240. And we're going to start taking your calls for a minute or two, and then we're going to have a, uh, we'll have a, another guest coming up. But we're going to take a break right now. And after the break, when we come back, we'll talk some more sports. Listening to Sports Talk New York. Tune in every Sunday night at 8 p.m. on Long Island's WGBB. Broadcasting on 95.9 FM and 1240 AM. Or listen live online at WGBBradio.com. Stay connected to Sports Talk New York on WGBB by following us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at WGBB Sports Talk. You're listening to Sports Talk New York on Long Island's WGBB. And now, back to the show. All right, we are back here on Sports Talk New York here in studio. It's Chris Caputo filling in by himself without uh, Mike Padone, who's finishing up a little bit of his vacation time as he gets just about ready to start his basketball season in high school and uh, we're going to throw a trivia question out there also if you want we could probably sneak in one phone call before we get our next guest in uh again 516-623-1240 is our number here uh, i got a trivia question for you tonight we play for pride not prize but anyway the trivia question tonight is the most recent player to have the three-year waiting period for the nhl hall of fame election waived only to return to the NHL as a player three years later. So who was the most recent player that the NHL waived the three-year waiting period to be elected to the Hall of Fame, only to have this player return to the NHL as a player three years later while he was already in the Hall of Fame? Again, 516-623-1240. If you want to call in, you can talk some sports, um, or you can answer the trivia question, um, as we head there. So tonight we got a kickoff in um, in the Raiders and Jets, and that game is actually going to be kicking off just about now. It should be fun. And, um, you know, it's kind of been an up-and-down kind of winter here for New York sports. Um, so I think it's, it's, it's kind of time for us to change things up. So in a couple of minutes, we're going to have on someone to talk about the marathon. We'll also talk a little bit of um, some women's college basketball. Uh, but we have a uh, we have a caller on the line who I maybe wants to chime in. Uh, we have Chris on the line. Chris, are you there? Hey, Chris. It's Chris. How are you? Good. How's everything? Good. My question is: What are your thoughts on Travis Kelsey and Taylor Swift? Do you think the relationship is affecting his game? Uh, it's a good question, Chris, and I think, if anything, it's actually uh, increased his game. Whenever she's been in attendance, his numbers have gone up. So when she's not there and she's going on tour, uh, I think he's missing her. And I think this is a good thing for the NFL. They're going to promote it every time she shows up at a game. I think he actually went to one of her concerts um, during his off time. But I think um, 
for the most part, this has been a good thing for the NFL for Travis Kelsey, and you got to you, you have to put out T Swizzle every time she's there. Um, I think she's already in some of her concerts changed some of her lyrics for him, and I think it's a good thing. What about you? Well, I think it's a good thing too. I think it's bringing a lot of attention to football again, and nice to see her in the crowd. I think so. Well, I appreciate you calling in. Anything else, Chris? That's it. You're doing a great job. Thank All right. you. Appreciate it. So Thank we've you. got uh, Travis Kelsey is is leading the NFL uh, tight ends, and the Chiefs are now at 208 points at 7-2. and two. So you have to give some credibility to what's going on with who's in the stands. Um, I think they're a power couple, and I think that's a, that's a good thing for the NFL. So once again, I'll read out the uh, the trivia question. If you want to chime in, you can also call in on that. Um, the most recent player to have the three-year waiting period for the NHL Hall of Fame election waived only to return as a player three years later. Um, so we're going to uh, hold off on the phone calls because we're going to, uh, to to have one of our guests call in. So if you guys can just hold off for a second, we'll get some, some new phone calls in a second. Um, we'll also talk some hot stove tonight. So uh, if you don't know what that is, that would be some baseball talk. Um, you know, anything to do with, um, you know, Mets, Yankees, um, whatever you, you want to talk about, we can do that a little bit later in the show. Um, you know, and my take quickly is this. In the past, the Mets have gone um, with the higher number. And this year they went across town and got Carlos Mendoza to be their manager. And I think they were kind of, um, you know, we had some issues um, with trying to get Craig Council to come here. So I think that became an issue. And the Mets tried to grab a good uh, manager before anything went sour. So I think in that situation... I'm not saying the Mets made a good hire. I'm not saying the Mets made a bad hire. I'm just saying they needed to have some stability, and I think Carlos Mendoza was brought in as uh, lesser pay and also to be a guinea pig, you know, to be like, hey, this is the guys we want on the field, and we want you to be in there. Now, if if the Mets go sour for a couple of years, he'll be gone, but at least they can control this person who's in there. But I think for the Mets, it's more going to be the players on the field and not the guys in the dugout. So we're going to take a quick change, and then uh, we're going to bring in a call. We'll, we'll, uh, we'll get back to your phone calls in just a few minutes at 623-1240. Uh, but we're going to be bringing in tonight a, um, a new guest. And this guest actually happens to be the brother of our last guest, and this is uh, Matt Santa Maria. Now, Matt ran in the New York City Marathon this past week. So, Matt. Happy to have you aboard tonight. Happy to be here. Appreciate you coming on. So can you tell us a little bit about your story? Because you're not just the guy that decided to run the marathon this year and is just an extra finisher. Can you tell us a little bit about where this started and how you put yourself out there in New York City in the five boroughs? Yeah, sure. So uh, it started, well, the whole story started back in 2017. When at my college graduation, um, supposed to be the best day of my life, I had a seizure, and I don't remember half my college graduation. Throwback to um, the next year, I had another seizure because of poor choices, and so from then on, I just had just um, these these um, mental issues of just what I can do and what I can't do. 
So thanks to like, so thanks to my best friend, uh, thanks to my best friend and a few others, um, I was able to, um, get into running and he's been telling me for years to, to get me into running. So I finally did and I started back in 2021 and worked my way up to running 5Ks, 10Ks and did half marathon that next year, that next year. And I knew I wanted to do a marathon in 2023. So it was, I was just training for a full, like, I want to say seven, eight months just to run the New York City Marathon. So I definitely had more confidence as, as I was running more and started forgetting about my seizures. And that's a great thing. It's a great story. Um, you know, here we are in the month of November, which uh, brings about men's health Movember. I'm trying to grow a little mustache and keep the uh, the, the, the treadmill times on and keeping, keeping ourselves in, in the shape that we should be. So you kind of used something that was a little bit of a setback for you to get yourself back into shape, um, what did it mean to run the New York City Marathon this past year? It, it felt amazing. I mean, I trained so hard for it, um, and just being on the starting line just with everyone, it was a crowded field, and I knew going in that my first mile was going to be pretty slow because it was crowded. So just the running across the girls was so much fun. I am, I unfortunately did get injured on mile 13. I injured my left arm and it went to my shoulder and then to my rotator cuff, but I was able to push through the pain and still finish under five hours with an injury. So I was very proud of that, but just running across the boroughs with the excitement of the fans was awesome. Having people chant your name who don't even know you and that it gives you such motivation and for a while made me forget about I had severe pain in my shoulder and brocator cuffs. So I thank the fans uh, across the boroughs for sure. Yep. So uh, I ran the marathon uh, a little bit before you back in 2001, right after September 11th happened. And I do agree that when you're running through the different boroughs and see the different kind of people and the music playing and people chanting out your name, you know, it gets good. It's tough when the, the you know, the lines of people kind of fade out a little bit, but it's just such an amazing experience uh, to do it in New York. So, can you talk a little bit about, like, the New York feeling of uh, of running that marathon? I mean, I, um, when I when I wanted to do my first marathon, I talked to my best friend, Tim Mahoney, who um, he's been just so supportive and been helping me throughout along this journey, him and Ethan Kelly. So I want, I, when I told them I wanted to do a marathon, they always said New York City because this is my home, New York, and I wanted my first marathon to be in New York. So... Being able to run 26 miles across boroughs, like I've never been to Staten Island, so now I can say I've ran across Staten Island, <laughs> and then and and I running across Brooklyn. My favorite part was Brooklyn, for sure. So as a New Yorker, running across different boroughs was amazing. That's but awesome. Brooklyn, I will say, was the best part. That was the most exciting part for sure. Yeah, and it's funny because you actually only run in the Bronx for less than a mile, but that's actually a pretty cool place to run too. I, you know, I was very surprised, like, because um, I, I heard before, as I was on my train, the Bronx was, was quiet, but the Bronx was not quiet. The Bronx was, the Bronx was loud, and, like, Brooklyn was loud, and Queens, it got a little tight at certain miles, but Bronx was loud, and it got you going up until, like, you got into Manhattan, and when you get into Manhattan, you get close to Central Park, that's where they, that's where the energy builds up for sure, but... 
It was a great experience, and I do want to thank the Alzheimer's Association for giving me the opportunity to run the New York State Marathon for the team. I also work for the organization, so being able to raise awareness for National Family Caregivers Month is an honor in itself, for sure. Yeah, I wanted to bring that up. Um, again, we're talking with Matt Santamaria, who ran the New York City Marathon this year. Matt, I believe you raised $7,000 as well. I did raise $7,000 even. Yes, $7 on, on the dime, yes. And, and, you know, that's going towards the Alzheimer's Association. And, you know, to know that you work for them and you've also gone through some things yourself, you know, it's got to be pretty good to not only run something that's good for yourself, but to also know that you're giving back at the same time. Yeah, and and I'm thankful for my job for giving me the opportunity to run the New York City Marathon for the team. And, the, well, with the Alzheimer's Association, we are the next um, volunteer health organization at Alzheimer's Care Support and Research. We have chapters all across um, all across the United States. We actually have a local chapter out here on Long Island where I work as a kid in Melville that provides resources across Nassau and Suffolk. So one thing with the Alzheimer's Association, the money goes for is care, support, and research. And one thing we always want to remind people with the Alzheimer's Association is we have a 24-7 helpline at 800-272-3900. And with the funds you raise, make sure that we have that helpline for those affected by Alzheimer's disease or other types of dementia. So that helpline is 800-272-3900. You can call at any time if you're a caregiver or if you're someone that's personally affected by this disease. Awesome. So, um, you know, you got through this first one. Are there any thoughts about doing it again? I am absolutely doing an, another marathon for sure. Um I don't know which one yet. I'm still debating if I'm going to do either Chicago or Philly, but I want to do different uh, states for sure. I want New York to be my first, but I, but as as you know, because you were in New York, New York is very hard to get into. If you if you, if you don't get into a charity, then you got to go through a lottery. So I definitely do want to run different uh, state marathons for sure because I want to experience um, different marathons. But it was great. To it was great to be in New York, and I definitely want to do it again in my future. All right, last question for you. Um, the support system, I know you had some people out there. How does that help you when you know when you get to a certain mile that you're going to have somebody there to give you a cup of water or to say a joke to you or whatever it's going to be throughout the uh, the New York City boroughs to have that family, friends behind you as you're running the 26 miles? So just a quick little story there. So... Um, my best friend Tim, his father's run an Air City Marathon for over for over forty five plus years. So I've been on the sidelines for him for over four years. So I know firsthand um, when people come to see you that make that makes a difference. So I was lucky enough I had friends and family at five different mile markers throughout the marathon who gave me a drink, gave me fruit. When I when I had my injury, my uh, Tim was right was right near me, and he pushed me through. He's like, "I know you're hurt. I know you're in pain, but you got to keep going. You can do this. If you need to walk, walk." And that's all the just a little bit of that, and also the random people chanting your name. You have no idea how big that is. Of yep. uh, just random people chanting your name so loud, and just offering you high five, offering you water. There was there was someone that sprayed bile freeze on me, but they completely missed and they hit my eye. Oh, so, um, but it's just it, it just makes a difference. So I encourage anyone to be on the sidelines for New York City Marathon because you're not you're not just helping the runner that you're supporting. You're helping so many runners out there who are 
going through the grind because if you think you've run a half marathon and you're good, yeah. you, you don't know what to expect for a marathon for sure. And running my first marathon, I ran, I got hurt. Now I'm going to learn from this and I'm going to take butt for the next marathon and try to do it in four hours and 10 minutes. Well, that's a great, uh, attitude. I know from you, you think you're, you're good and you hit mile 20 and, and then you're still tough and, Sometimes you actually run into, I don't know if people don't know this, you actually run into Central Park, and you think you're kind of done, and then you actually have to leave Central Park and come back in. And it's just like such this letdown. Where you it's think such you're a done. tease. It's yes. such a tease. It's such a tease. And But also, when you go into Central Park, there's so many fans there, and you're like, oh, my God, I can do this. That's I right. can do this. That's right. Well, I appreciate you coming on, Matt. Congratulations. Pick another one, and hopefully we can have you back on to talk about your success moving forward. No. Thank you so much. Happy to come on and talk more about it, for sure. Okay, that's Matt Santa Maria, who finished the marathon this past weekend in under five hours, raised $7,000 for the Alzheimer's Association. We appreciate him coming on and telling his story, where after having a seizure at graduation in 2017, he was able to turn things around and turn it into a positive, running a New York City marathon 26 miles just six years later. So we are going to go back to the phone lines if you'd like to call in, if you tried calling in before and it was busy. Once again, 516-623-1240. This is Sports Talk New York with Chris Caputo. Cappy here. Uh, this is a Sunday night cap, and uh, we are trying to talk about some things that you would like to talk to. We also have a trivia question, if you happen to know. The most recent player to have the three-year waiting period for the NHL Hall of Fame election waived, only to have that returned player come to the ice Three years later, uh, you can call in and try and win for pride, not prize. So, again, the phone lines are open at 516-623-1240. So, right now, it looks like the Jets and the Raiders are tied at three. So, we have some uh, football going on. Uh, just to kind of plug our future weeks, uh, Mike Guidone and I will be back on the air in a couple of weeks, hoping to have on some women's basketball uh, coach Linda Simino, who is now the new coach at Dartmouth College, hopes to join us that night. You know, speaking of women's basketball, we talked a little bit last time about women's basketball and how, you know, the, the WNBA was hitting the spotlight. Well, this week, LSU, who won the national championship last year, the number one team in the nation, lost. And today, the number two team, UConn, also went down. So I think that kind of brings up some good things for women's basketball. You know, moving forward, I think you're looking at a little bit more parity in college women's basketball where not every game is going to be a blowout. And people might start to show up, especially with uh, the, the you know some of these people signing national letters of intent and, and also having signing bonuses to, uh, to put themselves out there. So I think that's going to bring up some good things. So we are going to um, bring that up. You know, we're going to be talking about that, and maybe we'll have some other women's college coaches on um, moving forward as well. So the next thing I wanted to talk about was um, the the Knicks, all right? So at this point, the Knicks are just back over 500 um, at 5-4, five and four, but today they at least got themselves a W, okay? Um, and at this point, that W puts them at over 500, and um, the problem for them is they have the second lowest scoring offense, um, but they took advantage of a really bad defense in Charlotte. But I think for the Knicks right now, 
R.J. Barrett is back. And because R.J. Barrett is back at 100%, the Knicks are going to be okay. But here's the thing. The Knicks are going on the road for four of the next five games. And um, with R.J. Barrett putting up 24 points and quickly putting in 17, I think, you know, they're starting to shoot the three-point better. That's good. But the big talk for the Knicks is always going to be Julius Randle. Should have been traded in the offseason, wasn't traded. And I think at this point everybody is thinking that, the Knicks will not be good until they find themselves a big-time player. Now, uh, yes, uh, Brunson is scoring 22.5 points per game, which is good. But they also need some other things, you know, and they need to be able to score the basketball. Defensively, they're okay, but you can't go into scoring droughts. And I think right now the Knicks are going to stay at that 500 team um, until they can, you know, find themselves guys that are going to be consistent scorers. So we're going to change gears a little bit. Again, we will take your calls at 516-623-1240. This is Chris Caputo on a Sunday night here in New York. We've got a phone call right now, and we're going to take the call. It's uh, John. John, how is everything? Hey, Cap. How are you? Doing well. Good to talk to you. You too, pal. What's hey, on your mind? Hey, so uh, I want to talk a little bit about the Mets and Mendoza. Go ahead. Um so I was, I was obviously, obviously the last time we spoke a few weeks ago was kind of assumed that Craig Council would be coming here, uh, to the Mets. Clearly he never really wanted to come to New York, which I'm okay with. I don't think that's that big of a deal that we, we lost out on him. I think Mendoza, you know, could be good. I, I guess what my issue is, is that again, I, I think with these new age GMs and these Yale and Harvard guys, you know, Stearns is looking to have, uh, a big role in the on the field, you know, decision making and things like that. And that makes me a little concerned, you know, especially when you look at guys like Bochi and, you know, Dusty Baker who had, you know, more recent success. So we'll see though. I'm, I'm not, I'm not entirely down on the Mendoza hire. So you think that the success of a lot of these teams are coming from the, the managers being well seasoned? I think it's, I think there is a, a portion of it, you know, I think baseball has a lot to do with feel, right? You know, you've seen, you know, in Tampa Bay, them take Snell out there in the World Series uh, because they don't want guys to go through the third time in the order. I think that analytics are an important part of the, the sport, but I also think there's something to be said for having a little bit of feel for the game and in the moment. And I do think guys like Bochy and Dusty and even Buck in, in 2020, I'm sorry, 2022, um, you, you saw a little bit of that more than you did in 23, for, for sure. So do you think the Mets hired Mendoza because they could control him a little bit more and tell him what to do? A hundred percent. There's no doubt about it. And I think the hard part becomes if they're not competitive, it's going to come down on him, but it may not be, you know, his doing. This is, uh, you know, this is a team that I think if things go sour, um, you know, a couple of guys might be put on the trading block. Oh, no, no doubt about it. But I think they'll put together a competitive team. I think, I think McNeil could go, um, before the beginning of the year. I, I could see them, you know, doing something with him to get a, a starting pitcher. I don't think Alonzo is going anywhere. I do think he'll end up hitting free agency, but I think they'll keep him for the year. Um, it depends on who they get for pitching. I think that's going to be the, the major determining factor on how far the Mets go this year because I think the lineup will be better. Um, but they're, I mean, they have to rebuild that starting rotation. Yeah, so where do you think the Mets go as far as uh, priorities for the next month? 
got to be starting pitching. Uh, you need a number one. You know, Senga is, you know, our, our de facto number one right now. Um, you know, but again, coming off of a rookie year, uh, you know, first time in, you know, playing major league baseball, I do think you need a, a number one. It could be a guy like Yamamoto. Everyone loves Yamamoto and he's young. Yep. Um, so that's obviously a benefit, but I do think the Mets will have to probably look at, you know, if they do bring Yamamoto in here, you know, between him and Senga and, you know, just the difference between Japanese professional baseball, there's a good chance the Mets will have to go to a six-man rotation for a good portion of, of next year if they have both of those guys in their starting rotation. Yeah, which isn't terrible. I think the Mets always have guys that they need. But at this point, really, all you have is Senga and Quintana. I mean, if you're going to count McGill and Budo, I don't know what you're really trying to do. And David Peterson is now going to be out six, seven months. So I think you're right. You have to go after those guys, maybe a Blake Snell, maybe an Aaron Nola. I don't know if you're going to have success trying to you know bring those guys in. But uh, two spots. Number one is starting pitching. And number two, I think you need another bat. You need a DH. Um, your thoughts on Otani? I would not touch Otani. I think for, for two reasons. Number one, the length of the contract. I, I'm not a big 10 year deal guy. Absolutely. I think, I, I think a six year deal, you know, even for Alonzo, who I love and would be devastated to see go elsewhere, I think six, seven year deals max. Um, you know, I look at that Trey Turner deal in, in Philadelphia, um, you know, 11 years. It's just, it's, it's absurd. And I think Otani, you're going to have to do that same thing. And there's no guarantee he's ever going to be the pitcher that he was again coming off of a second Tommy John. And, again, he is a dynamic offensive player. There's no doubt about it. I don't think he's worth $500 million, though. And at some point, even though Steve Cohen has all the money in the world, you know, the Mets are not going to have a $400 million payroll. So I would stay away from Otani. I don't really think he wants any parts in New York similar to to council, I think he's a West Coast guy. You know, you hear a lot of buzz about Texas now. So I think you make the phone call because you're just obviously doing the the correct due diligence. But I also think the Mets shouldn't be played uh, into help driving up his price yep. to another team. And I think he's going to wind up staying on the West Coast as well. But we'll see. Um, you know, I think I think for the Mets, you know, they, their bullpen is going to be bolstered with Diaz coming back. They've got to go out and get themselves some other pieces, but um, you can't sit there and, and just say for the Mets at this point that your offense was good enough last year to get you where you need to be because, you know, it's Thurley Marte coming back and, you know, McNeil having an off year. You can't just say everybody's going to have a better year. You've got to make decisions. Who's going to be your third baseman? Who's going to be your everyday DH? Who's going to be your right fielder? Those questions need to be answered. Totally agree. I actually think third base is a place I would look. I know Chapman's out there. Uh, from Toronto, I would look at getting an established third baseman. Um, I was not that impressed with Beatty or Vientos. Um, you know, the, as you and I have talked about it, that length, the Mets love to build up their prospects, and it's it's few and far between that, um, you know, they, they come to fruition. I'm just telling and you now, though, John, I don't, I don't want Tommy Pham back. I don't want Seth Lugo back. I don't want Marcus Stroman. I don't want these guys who have been there before. The only guy I take back is Marcana, but he got traded back to the Tigers, so we don't have to worry about that. I yeah. hate when the Mets think, oh, this guy did well here for six months. He can come back and do it again. Start fresh. Bring in some fresh blood. Yeah. And, and you can't on your I way don't... out rip the Mets and then come back. 
Yeah, no, I don't think any of those guys are coming back. I don't. I think first of all, I'm sure Tommy Pham will likely stay in Arizona. No way Strowman's coming back here. But I think you have to go out. I, I, you got to find yourself an established big bat. You, I'd like to see a lefty bat as well. And then you see who's available in in the trade market because I, you know, I'm not overly. It's a. I think it's a weak free agent class to be honest. But you, I do agree with you. The Mets need an established designated hitter because you don't want to. You know, last year was just a, a fiasco with what they did. What do you think about Soto, Chris? Would you? Would you? I'm not a big fan of trading for him. No, I just I don't think it's. I, I see. I saw him decline last year, and I know he's young, but I just think again it's going to drive up. Short term, he might be okay, but I just don't see the Mets needing to make a trade like that. I agree, and again, just back to the point about Otani, another guy that's going to want to try to reset the market with a 10 to 12 year contract. And those contracts never work. They never, ever work. All right, John, thanks for calling in. Appreciate it. I'll talk to you soon. All right, thanks, Pat. Okay, we got a couple of minutes left. If you'd like to chime in, again, 516-623-1240. You can answer our trivia question, or you could just talk whatever's on your mind. Um, Here in New York on, this is an addition night tonight. If you put it all together, today's date is 11-12-23. That comes from a math teacher here. It's an addition day, and we are ready to ramp it up here in New York. We want to be able to do some positive things, so let's have some positive couple of minutes to finish things out. If you want to call in and talk anything, sports, 516-623-1240. This is Chris Caputo on Sports Talk New York, trying to enjoy whatever's left of this weekend. Uh, right now, the Jets have taken a 6-3 lead. Knew it was going to be a um, a night of low scoring, maybe field goals, a couple of interceptions here or there, but uh, we kind of knew that this was not going to be a blow away. we got a couple of minutes left, so again, if you want to call in, um, you can do that. Uh, but we did talk a little bit of hot stove, so we talked some, some Mets there. And, you know, if you go around the infield, you've got Alonzo McNeil Lindor, Probably Mauricio, Nimmo, Marte, Alvarez, but you got to get a couple more pieces. And I think, um, as you've seen, this is the time of the year where anything can happen. You know, you can go out there and find somebody who maybe you didn't think was on the trading block and is, and you can bring them to New York, you can bring them to uh, another spot. So I think that's one of the things that the Mets have to look towards. The Yankees as well. Uh, the Yankees have made some moves. The Yankees have, um, you know, Look, they they have to get the Yankees have to get themselves a bench coach now that the Mets stole theirs. So I think that might be a person um, that they're looking for. I would imagine maybe they look at a Brad Ausmus or somebody with a lot of experience. And the reason why I think the Yankees might look for experience is in case they have to midseason get rid of their manager. They want to have somebody with experience. Now it might be Luis Rojas, which is probably not the best thing, but they might get a guy who's had some major league experience on their bench. But I think the crazy thing is. That Aaron Judge uh, has a lot to say. So we're going to go back to the phones. we got a couple of minutes left, and we've got Brendan on the line. Brendan, how's everything? What's up, Chris? Things are good. How are you? You're doing okay. Thanks for calling in. All right. So my question, next week the Jets are playing the Bills. What are your thoughts on a Jets win next week? Well, I think at this point, if nobody gets hurt, the Jets actually have a decent chance of winning that game. The Bills are, are down. Um, and they've already, they already beat them earlier in the year. But I think a lot of that win had to do with the Aaron Rodgers, kind of everything was surrounding them. 
And uh, to be honest with you, uh, Zach Allen, play, I mean, he just played absolutely terrible. And I think, um, you know, that game just fell in the Jets' hands, winning on a, on a walk-off, uh, you know, punt return. So I think the Bills are, are ready to go. And I think this if the Jets don't win tonight, this could be bad. But, um, but it should be fun. You know, one team plays in New York. The other one has uh, New York in their team name. Well, I say 24-21 Jets. They're going to kick a bunch of field goals. All right. So what else is going on? You got any tennis on your mind there? Definitely. Always loving tennis. Uh, we got uh, fresh off the Billie Jean King Cup. We got Canada winning and the uh, Fed Cup and Davis Cup team winners are uh, Canada. So I don't really know what's going on up north and our neighbors, but they're doing pretty well. They got some good doubles players and good singles. What are your thoughts on uh, some of the end of the season tennis going on? Any thoughts? Uh, well, you know, I, I always like to see somebody up and coming, uh, some of these new players win. So I'd like to see, you know, some of the, the, the players that we haven't heard about step up and put themselves out there because then the Australian Open happens and we see some good things. But thanks for the call, Brendan. Yeah, thank you. Good job, Chris. All right. Uh, our trivia question was the most recent player to have a three-year waiting period for the NHL Hall of Fame election waived only to return as a player three years later. Uh, we didn't get a call for that tonight, but um, the answer to that was actually Mario Lemieux. He was elected into the Hall of Fame in 1997, and then after some injuries and having non-Hodgkin's lymphoma, he came back in 2000, played till 2006, and he actually became part owner because they owed him so much money that he said, let me just be the owner and I'll play. Weird stuff. Look it up. Mario Lemieux came back and was actually playing eight years after he was already in the NHL Hall of Fame. So we appreciate all of the calls tonight. I want to thank Matt Santa Maria for calling in and talking about the New York City Marathon. I want to thank Johnny Santa Maria for calling in and talking about the Jets and also some hockey. And all of our other phone calls tonight, we had a good time chatting it up. We're hoping to see you guys in a couple of weeks. We've got, hopefully, uh, head coach Linda Simino coming on on the 26th to talk Dartmouth women's basketball. Maybe get a couple of Jets people on. We want to get a couple of legends in. And uh, we had a good time tonight. Again, Chris Caputo here. Um, Mike Gradone should be back next time. And keep it up. We'll see you in two weeks. So, good night. The views expressed in the previous program did not necessarily represent those of the staff, management, or owners of WGBB.